Hey, everybody. Welcome back to It's Only Embarrassing If You're Embarrassed podcast, a podcast focused on normalizing everyday challenges such as mental health, addiction, grief, divorce, loss, and many more. I hope this episode inspires you to be your best self and to live your dream life one day at a time. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to It's Only Embarrassing If You're Embarrassed podcast. My name is Madison, and I'm so happy you're here for Faith Friday. Faith Friday is an episode I do every week where I just unpack what I've been learning about the Bible or about faith. And so this episode, we are going to go through the book of Genesis. And I'm going to be honest with y'all, this is the first time I've ever read the book of Genesis all the way through. And here's why. I thought Genesis was just like stories we already knew and heard. And I was like, yeah, I get it. God created the earth. Check, check, next. Like there's so much more to it than that. So that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. So Genesis does open with six days of creation and the Sabbath. So it goes through what God created each and every day and then how he took rest on the seventh day. So it says, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning. And that was the first day. And then the second day, there was uh, evening, morning, sky, And that was the second day. And then on the third day, God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. So now we have uh, the land, we have the water, we have uh, morning, we have night. And then it goes on to say, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seeds of every kind and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seeds in it. And that was the third day. Then the fourth day... God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And so God separated light and darkness. There was evening, there was morning, and that was the fourth day. Then the fifth day, God created living creatures, let the birds fly above the earth and across the sky. And then on the sixth day, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. And then God goes on to say, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over all the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth. And that was the sixth day. Then it goes on to talk about how the seventh day, God was exhausted from all this work he'd done, so he chose to rest. And I love that that is how the Bible starts out, because one thing about me is I used to never be a rest day girly, not from life, not from, you know, the gym. Like, I was just always working on something, always doing something, always had a project going. Like, I could never just chill for a sec. And so now one thing that I'm actively working on implementing into my life is the ability to have a day a week where I rest, I recharge, I spend the day with family, and I don't have a to-do list. And that's been something that's been really challenging for me, but honestly, it has been so great to just embrace the fact that God did not create us to work, 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 work. God did create us to work, but he also created us to rest. And so that's your little reminder of that. So then it goes on to talk about how God created Adam and Eve, and 
it does talk about how, uh, you know, he created man, he created woman. And then it goes on to talk about, uh, we, we all know the story of like Eve eats from the tree of the garden of good and evil. And so here's the story behind that is God comes to Adam and Eve and says, you shall not eat fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you will die. But the serpent who is Satan comes and says to the woman, you'll not die. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And I think that's such a great representation of how Satan tries to trick us nowadays. I think right now we, we know in our hearts, like what's right, what's wrong. And then Satan will kind of put thoughts in our mind of, oh yeah, you know, that's wrong, but like everybody's doing it. So if everybody's doing it, it can't be that wrong, you know? And so this is like, Satan has literally been tricking people by telling them that they don't need to obey God since literally the beginning of time. And this is such a great example of that. And whenever God realizes what happened, it says, God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent tricked me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. And so this is kind of like, it sounds like this is how the serpent ended up kind of getting like cast maybe to hell. And then because he basically, you know, started tricking people to go against God. And obviously we know that's what he still does to this day. So then... It goes on to talk about uh, how Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel, which are their two kids. And then it goes on to talk about how Cain murders Abel. So that's how the Bible starts out. Honestly, wild. But I love it because... I think so often we think that these people that were talked about in the Bible were perfect. Their lives were perfect. Their family were, families were perfect. They never had challenges. And the reality is they had just as many challenges and problems as we do today. And if we like really dig into the Bible, we can see a lot of those things really just come to fruition. So Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a tiller of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, for his part, brought the firstling of his flock, their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel of his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Where is your continence fall? And it basically is uh, like Cain does the least. And so God says, hey, you know, I appreciate what your brother did because he did the most for me. You just did, you know, kind of the least you could to barely scrape by. So Cain gets mad because he's like, Abel's the favorite. So Cain tells his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they're out there, Cain kills Abel. And then the Lord comes to Cain and says, where's your brother Abel? And he says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord says, what have you done? Listen to your brother's blood crying out from the ground. And now you're cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And ooh, I love this because one, it's not very often that siblings murder each other. So for the Bible to just be like, hey, we have all levels of people here. Everybody can have God no matter what. And it also goes on to talk about how Cain suffered a sevenfold vengeance because of this. And uh, it's such a good reminder that just because God called you doesn't mean life is perfect or easy. 
So then it goes on to talk about the beginning of civilization, Adam's descendants to Noah and his sons. And so if you guys did not know this, the story of Noah is also in the beginning of Genesis. It goes on to basically talk about how the earth, you know, gets populated through these generations. And then God looks at the earth and is basically like, oh my gosh, literally everybody is evil on the earth. The earth is full of violence, full of wickedness. Like I cannot let this go on. So God sees Noah living his best life. And so God finds favor in Noah and it says like Noah pleases God and then it goes on to say, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. God said the earth, God saw the earth was corrupt and for all flesh had corrupted its ways upon earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end to all flesh for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. And then he goes on to be really specific about the kind of ark Noah needs to build and what he needs to do. It even goes on to say he needs to make an ark of cypress wood, make rooms, the ark is to be 300 cubits, its width, 50 cubits, its height, and 30 cubits. Like, he's so specific in what he comes to, you know, Noah and says, like, hey, literally, here's exactly what's going to happen. Here's what I need you to do to prepare, to protect you, to protect your family. Here's all the specifics. And I love this story because obviously, Noah got this, you know, kind of calling on his life way before it actually happened. And he actually saw it come to fruition. So for so long, Noah is just out there just acting on faith, like building this ark and there's no rain and people probably think he's crazy. And he probably feels like maybe he is a little crazy, but he does it nonetheless. And then it goes on to talk about the great flood. So then the Lord comes to Noah, says, go into the ark and all your household. And he takes with him seven pairs of all clean animals and uh, all of them and his kids and his kids' wives are to go into the ark because God is going to send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights and every living thing that I've made will blot out from the face of the earth. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. So Noah is... Literally just like, okay, God, sure, I'll scoop up my whole family and all the animals of the world and put them in this ark, even though it hasn't started raining. Sure, let's do it. So, of course, then everything that God told Noah was going to happen happens. And basically, it floods so much in those 40 days that it takes 150 days until the waters had abated. And it says, on the seventh month and the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountain of Erat. So essentially because of that 40 days and 40 nights of rain, it took, you know, another hundred plus days for that to come down for en far enough that they could see the top of a mountain. So to give you an idea, like what this great flood was, like there was literally nowhere, like people couldn't even climb to the top of the mountain and be safe, you know, like everything was gone. So then it basically goes on to say that God makes a promise to Noah that he will never again curse the ground because of humankind and he will never again destroy every living creature as he has done. And so basically he makes this covenant with Noah saying, hey, this is never going to happen again. And to kind of have like this agreement that I'll never do this again, I'm going to send a rainbow. And so a rainbow is actually God's reminder of, you know, this past flood and the fact that he'll never again destroy humankind because of evil. So that is the Cliff Notes version of Noah. So then it goes on to talk about the descendants of Noah and 
coming from the line of Noah, we get into Abram. And so Abram, his name starts as Abram. He eventually ends up going by Abraham. But there is this, sorry, there's a fire truck going by. There is this really cool story about how Abraham's faith is really tested. And I think this is such a great story because whenever I was reading this, I was like, I cannot believe this because I think we're so prone to think like, oh, if people were in the Bible, they did everything perfect. They never made bad decisions. They never sinned. They were just, you know, perfect. And that's why we read about them. And if you read the story of Abraham, that is not the case. So basically, Abraham's like a hundred years old. Him and his wife have never had kids. They want kids. They haven't been able to have them. And so God comes to Abraham and says, Hey, I'm going to make your descendants as many as the dust of the dust of the air, the dust of the ground. Like there's going to be so many descendants from your line. And Abraham literally laughs at this. He's literally like, yeah, God, whatever. I'm a hundred. My wife's 90. You think we're about to have kids? That's crazy. So because Abraham and his wife, Sarah, really want to have a kid. Sarah says, I have a solution. You know, God said that he's going to give us this kid. We don't believe him. So we're going to take this into our own hands and we're going to come up with our own solution. And I love this analogy because how often do we do that? How often do we feel like God has something we need to be doing in our lives or something that he's calling us to do? We don't see it happen fast enough. So we want to make it happen on our own or make it happen without God, just as long as it happens in the way that we want it to or think that it should, you know? So Sarah comes up with this great idea. She's like, hey, I have. So in this time they had basically like maids. So she's like, okay, here's what you're going to do, Abraham, my husband. You are going to sleep with my maid, get her pregnant, and that's going to be our kid, which is the craziest idea because who thinks, yeah, I'm going to have my husband sleep with another woman, get her pregnant, and then I'll care for that kid. Like the whole idea, it's bad, right? And so it's a great, great example of how often we know that God has this plan for our life. But because he's taking longer than we would want, we just do things on our own. And then things we do on our own always get us into trouble. So they do that. Abraham and the maid sleep together. The maid gets pregnant. And now Sarah is pissed, right? And she is actually mad at Abraham. And she's like, this is your fault. And it's like, what, girlfriend? You're the one that wanted your husband to sleep with another woman. Like, it's craziness, right? And I could not believe all this is in the Bible. So... God, you know, comes back after all this and says, hey, I'm still going to fulfill my promise. You're still going to have that kid. Abraham, he laughs again. And sure enough, Sarah gets pregnant and Sarah ends up having a baby. And so they go on to, you know, have this baby. And Sarah also denied God you know, just thinking like, Hey, you know, this is crazy. This is never going to happen. And uh, then once they have the child, obviously they're just like thrilled, shocked, you know, a great example that God always fulfills his promises, even if it's in ways that maybe we didn't expect or didn't see coming. So then it goes on to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Sodom and Gomorrah is basically this city where everything is evil. Every person is evil. There's lots of wickedness, lots of sin. And so God tells Abraham, I am going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of all the evilness goes on there. And Abraham and God basically get into this dialogue where 
Abraham's like, wait, what if you go to Sodom and Gomorrah and there's 50 good people there? Are you going to kill those 50 good people because of the sins of the others? God says, absolutely not. He says, what about if there's 40 good people there? He says, if there's 40 good people there, I will absolutely not destroy the city. You know, they go back and forth. And he even goes down to say, like, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And so Abraham's like, okay, cool, cool. And then obviously God goes to Sodom and Gomorrah. And it is, there's nobody that's there that's righteous. And so Sodom and Gomorrah gets destroyed. But in this process, Lot, who is Abraham's nephew, had been living right outside Sodom and Gomorrah. So angels come to Lot and say, hey, you and your wife, y'all got to go. Sodom and Gomorrah, it's about to get destroyed. And it says, the Lord had rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But before they were told to leave, they were like, it's very important. You don't look back. And so as they're leaving the city, Lot's wife looks back and it says she became a pillar of salt. And I love this analogy because it's really showing the importance of not looking back and not thinking, what if I stayed? Would things have been better? You know, we're so often that we're, you know, focused on what's already happened or what if we had done things differently or what if, you know, things had worked out differently. And instead, like, just know that you're on the right path, that you're where God needs you to be, even if you didn't get there, you know, the way that you thought that you would. So that is actually where we are going to wrap up for today. That was Genesis chapters 1 through 19. If you want to read on your own, what I've been doing is I've just been reading five pages of the Bible a day and I have been learning so much. So that's really what these Faith Friday episodes are, is I'm just hopping on here and sharing with y'all what I'm learning as I'm either walking through faith or reading the Bible or just all these different things that I'm just learning and seeing just grow and come to fruition in my life. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and as always, happy healing, babes. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of It's Only Embarrassing If You Were Embarrassed podcast. I'm your host, Madison. If you want to get tuned into more episodes, you can click the follow button in the top right-hand side of your phone screen. This will actually notify you when new episodes are published. If you loved this episode, please leave a five-star rating and review. It really helps with the show. And last but not least, if you thought of someone during this episode that you were like, hmm, I really need my mom, my bestie, my sister to hear this episode, please share with a friend. And as always, happy healing, babes.